This world is driving me crazy. I tell you, it is just, I, I, I wake up in the morning and I'm afraid of checking my phone. But does that keep me from checking my phone? Of course not. Welcome to the Robert Davi Show. I am Jim Watkins, your fill-in host, and I serve with great pleasure and honor covering for the Renaissance man while he continues on his projects. And we have, uh, I, I have made a firm commitment to try to move away from the hot and heavy and dark news because it does get you down. There's no question about it. I mean, I was having a heart-to-heart conversation with my friend and I said, you know, I consume news like some people breathe the air. All I do, it's it's an an obsession with me. And I know that a lot of the social media rolls into it. I know that it's some of it is by design. I mean, how about you? Do you find yourself, you know, always clicking through Facebook or Twitter or Getter or Rumble or whatever else there is out there, Instagram, and just endlessly scrolling, trying to find the next good story? I think that might be a pa- at pandemic levels because I do that, but I do it with the intent of bringing to you information and some clarity to what what is out there because it can be confusing. But, you know, for, for all I know, you may be at peace and loving everything and barbecues and potato salad and, you know, hand me another daiquiri and feeling just fine. I mean, it is the second day of summer. Yep, that's right. It is the second day of summer. Here we are, smack dab in the middle of a Biden summer. And uh, always something to talk about. So I thought I would take a lighter approach to see if it would ease my anxiety. And I, you know, uh, because I get anxious, you know, I was telling my friend earlier and I'll tell you, I'll share this with you as well. There have been a lot. There have been three things that have occurred over the past three years that have shocked me. And they have shocked me in a way, in a profound way, where I have to reestablish my perspective on people. To say that I am disappointed is an understatement. Number one was the way that people reacted to COVID and all the things they were willing to give up. And later turned out that a lot of those things that we were asked to give up were completely unnecessary. That's number one. That that has stuck with me. Number two, uh, the, uh, the way that Trump was treated during his presidency considering what he was able to accomplish and how little credit he actually received and all the people in my own life that were judging me or others like me who actually thought that he was doing a good job and the way that people treated each other and they created alliances was disturbing to me and I think it was probably disturbing to you. COVID, obviously, the way that we all dealt with the pandemic, the the amount of misinformation that was out there from people we were supposed to trust And now this thing with, uh, you know, injecting kids. Those things have an effect on your mind when you have hope for, you know, like I I, I can kind of consider myself an optimist, uh, a a cautious optimist at that. Uh, And so having risen from the the ashes of these three large self-inflicted fires, I'm a scarred man. And I have a little bit less trust in the process. I have a little bit more cynicism of the process, of the institutions that govern this land. For example, when you know for one example is that our president and our attorney general is allowing people to break the law by 
seeking to intimidate the Supreme Court justices just to get their way. That's disconcerting to me. And so I bring that to you, hoping that in our shared therapy, we might be able to feel a little bit better. And I'm happy to know that I think that there are more people who agree with my assessment on many things than those who don't. But unfortunately, far too many don't, and they're the ones that seem to have the levers on society. The education system is completely taken over by leftist ideology that seeks to, what, teach our children that they're ignorant and that they're privileged and that they're racist inherently and make way for the new world order. Uh, And then, of course, like I said, you know, you just, as you get older, when I was 80, in the 80s, I I was optimistic about the future. When the cell phones came out, I was optimistic about the future and the internet, all of it. It gave me hope. It's like, okay, we finally, we've cracked the code on communications. We can use it for good. And that hasn't happened to my expectation. So how do we get out of all this? Well, the only way to get out of it is to first be aware of it. Second, take that information and do something with it. Whether it's calling your congressman or writing a letter or an email to your senator, you cannot sit by and and let those who would take this country and its fundamental principles and put them on the ground and stomp all over it. You can't let that happen. If you do, then you're, you are complicit. And the only way that we can do it effectively is through peaceful, and I say peaceful because someone hearing my voice might be misinterpreting what I'm telling them. You know, it could be midnight in Albuquerque and you're sitting there and you're, you're upset because you just lost your job and you hear my voice. I don't want to steer you down the wrong path. There, we are a country of law and order, first and fourth, fourth And just because they don't believe that doesn't mean that we have to act with uh, uncivil, you know, with this Jane's Revenge type of attitude. BLM and Antifa, that's the enemy. And the only way to do that is through the ballot box, which is what we're seeing across the country. Uh, And you're seeing a repudiation of the progressive left, which, thank God, finally arrived. So I have no doubt we'll win or when I say we, conservative principles will win come election day 2022. What I'm hoping for is a equally great victory in 2024. But that's going to depend on our memory and our ability to keep our memories about what really happened under the control of Democrats in the White House. Did you get that? So pay attention and don't forget. Pay attention and don't forget. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about on the program today. Martin Sheen. Uh, he's got a kind of an interesting uh, paradigm. I get your take on that. Also, Biden is calling for a three-month moratorium on taxes. What does that look like? Not much, I'm afraid. Apple's got some new stuff coming out soon. They're uh, talking about the new MacBook. I'm a big Apple guy, although I, I think I have gotten less respect for Apple since Cook took over. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Monkeypox development, more news on that. COVID development, more news on that. There's a new study out of Israel that says that people who've been vaccinated are more prone to getting sick. Isn't that strange? And people who uh, have recovered from getting COVID have better natural immunity. Isn't that funny? Oh boy. Israeli study. You know, when it's an Israeli study, people don't usually critique them because they are their own uh, Petri dish. It's a very small environment. It's easy to, to do testing, double blinds, uh, you've got a genetic pool that's similar, so you have similar outcomes. 
So this study should carry great merit, and I would love to see Lester Holt talk about it tonight on NBC Nightly News. That would be a great headline, wouldn't it? Patients with weakened immune systems develop slightly highly mutated COVID-19 variants. A new Israeli study has discovered paving the way for a better understanding of where coronavirus variants come from. Now, Malone and McCulloch say that the variants are a reaction to our vaccines because what the virus is doing is adapting. You know, life is adaptation. Every species adapts. That's why we built our air conditioners. Did you realize that? Did you realize why we have air conditioners? Because human beings adapted. We didn't like being hot, so we decided to do something about it. I just heard this great story. It was a man who has a, a, a museum in uh, Missouri, Carthage, Missouri. And his name is uh, Richard Larimore. He's about 85 years old. And the way he tells the story, he found a love for coffee pots and toasters from the early part of the last century. And so he started collecting them. And he, he widened his scope of interest to include waffle makers and all kinds of little gadgets and what I call transition technology. If you think about the fact that today we are blessed with all kinds of great devices like smartphones, uh, tablets, what else can you think of? Uh, smart speakers, voice-activated remote control, uh, certain kinds of uh, everything you can remotely c connect. You can tell Siri to start boiling your eggs even before you got home. You can ask Siri to or Google to start your car. I mean, there's just so many things that we are we're lucky to have as far as technology. But if you go back a hundred years ago and look at the technology that was coming out then, it, it literally is like going back into the Stone Age when you see these these weird contraptions. And so this guy created a museum of all of these early technologies that Americans invented. Uh, and this was long before there were stringent, you know, security and, and uh, health codes and danger codes and stickers, and warnings and all this. And it's an interesting story because he, he has fallen in love with early Americana. And he says, when you actually look at that, that period, Americans were pretty damn innovative. We came up with a lot of great ideas. And again, this was trans, transition technology. It's very, very exciting. I'll tell you more about it in the days to come. But it's a reminder of just how unique the American spirit really is. We'll continue in just a moment. You're listening to The Robert Davi Show. Jim Watkins, Michael Letts joining me next to talk about gun control. All right. Welcome back to The Robert Davi Show. Uh, Jim Watkins filling in. And as we typically have from time to time when it comes to talking about gun rights and gun issues in general, Michael Letts joins us. He is the founder of investusa.org, which is a comprehensive uh, program that aids law enforcement and instructional and it's just check it out sometime go to investusa.org and check out what this guy does it's just I, i'm flabbergasted anyway uh, michael letts how are you today and uh you're calling from texas and we're talking to you today and there is a new i guess there's a new chapter to this gun law legislation that's moving its way through congress and uh, republicans are on board right there's an interesting poll out today uh, that asked, do you believe that red flag gun control laws designed to temporarily take guns away from individuals has the potential to be abused by local authorities and government officials? Uh, interestingly enough, 46 percent 
of those and they were voters said they believe red flag laws uh, would be abused by the government. 22% say they were unsure. So clearly uh, a majority, 52% of independent voters said that they believe that there would be abuse. That's what's happening right now with this new piece of legislation that's going through, right? It's 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 packed with, and you spoke about this last time you were on, correct, about these correct. so-called red flag. So can you explain to the listener what these red flag laws are all, all about? Sure. Let me uh, explain. This is member all part of a plan process. This is not just happening circumstantially. This has been a planned issue for many, many years, for decades. Remember, the ultimate goal is to control the citizens so that they do what we tell them to do without question. You can't do that when they're armed. It just doesn't work. So their main objective is to disarm us. They've been trying to do that for years and years. They finally come up with ways that they can conceal it. The American public may believe it. One of those is a red flag law. They use a blanket statement. Do you want a mentally ill person to be carrying out a firearm, a crazy person? Of course not. Everybody agrees, no, we don't want a crazy person who is not mentally balanced to just have a gun and whip it out sometime because he's mad at the sky and starts shooting people. But here's what you don't understand. They are not defining, and this is what makes the red law flags so concerning. They are not defining what mental illness is. They are not defining whether you're crazy or not crazy, you're a threat to yourself. What they are doing is saying, I can make an accusation against you, Jim. Immediately, your firearms are, are, are confiscated and seized. Now, you have a recourse. You can go to court. You can fight it in court. You can hire an attorney. You can go through all kind of testing to prove that you are not what I said you were being crazy. Everybody thinks somebody's crazy. But why should you have to bear the burden of a false accusation in the defense, have your firearms removed for what indefinite period of time that you prevail sometimes. And you remember our court system, sometimes these can take years to get through. So that what they're counting on is that they will be able to use this law to basically say the entire population is nuts and crazy. We need to confiscate all your your arms. We want to take it to court, go ahead and fight it, but you don't have the resources to do it anyway. We'll get a vast majority of the firearms off the street. Those that we don't We'll uh, use, and this is scary, your, your, your listeners really need to know this. Uh, they don't publicize this. For the last few budgets for law, federal law enforcement agencies, and let me define that. We're not just talking about FBI, DEA. We're talking about anyone who has law enforcement capacity. You would be shocked to know the agencies that have law enforcement capacity. The IRS has law enforcement capacity. Technically, those agents can carry and utilize a weapon, a sidearm. So what the budgets have shown for all these agencies that you would not think are law enforcement, they are spending a hundredfold on their hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to buy ammunition, to buy firearms for all their agents. Now, what do you think an IRS agent sitting behind a desk running a computer needs a sidearm and unlimited amount of ammunition for? They're doing it for two reasons. They're buying up the ammunition so you and I can't have any to buy. There's only so much that's produced. And then second of all, they're making sure that they will prevail when the time comes to make sure we confiscate your firearms. How will we do that? We use a red flag well to say you're crazy. Of course, you're going to fight it and say you're not. But remember, once the government says you are, the burden of proof is on you on their timetable. 
you just can't say, okay, I want to run down there at 2 o'clock this afternoon and show you I'm not crazy. No, 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 no. They take your firearms. They will tell you what you can decide to prove to them that you're not crazy. You don't want to give your firearms away? Now they have a vast army of people you wouldn't even think have law enforcement credentials. And they're all well-weaponized, they've got plenty of ammunition, and they're going to come seize what you're not willing to give. That's where we're headed. I know that sounds harsh, but we are almost at the end of the end zone of that scenario. We're very close to the end. I always wondered, does the United States government have a list of every firearm holder and what they own? They're working on it. That list is not perfect, but yes, they do maintain lists, and yes, they are trying to build that list every day. I was talking to a friend of mine who said that he has a, a relative who has a large uh, cache of or cache of, of weaponry. Uh, he lives in a remote part of Arizona. He is naturally, uh, you know, suspicious. Doesn't like the government, but he has a large cache of weaponry. And uh, and I wonder. I say, you know, any any college degree psychologist could make the determination that by the mere fact of having so many weapons indicates mental illness. They have done that before, Jim. Uh, you, you know, people would laugh at your story. No, no, you must be crazy. No, there have actually been cases on that where they say, well, he has to be crazy if he owns 15 firearms. Who else? Yeah, well, he's firearms? paranoid. You know, uh, there's a paranoid exactly. guy if I ever saw one. But what they don't so you recognize... you see how easy it is to classify <laughs> yeah, somebody mentally ill, you know, and take yeah. the weapon from him? Listen, we went from taking our shoes off to checking our baby formula at the airport uh, to the Patriot <laughs> Act. So I, I don't put anything with the government. What is it? The, the famous line, you know, what the government gives, the government can take away. And, no if they, it, and all of this is based on this this notion that the government dispenses rights. Uh, and, and even people like John Mellencamp, who you would think, you know, I, I was kind of a big fan of John uh, back when he was a cougar. And, uh, and he's even calling for the change in the Second Amendment. And what's strange about that is all of this has arisen because of the final straw of Uvalde. And what we're finding about the Uvalde shooting in South Texas is that none of what we're talking about now with this new law would have any effect on what happened that day in Uvalde. As a matter of fact, it would be contrary. If the teachers had been armed, that kid probably would have been put out long before he could have started shooting the, the young ones. Anyway, yeah, hang here's on. Here's the sad part, Jim. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. S- save that because we always like those cliffhangers so that people will sit through the break and and then come back and join us. So, so hold on to that nugget, and we'll continue in just a moment. We are talking with Michael Letts. He is the founder of Invest usa.org and i would invite you to check out the website smart guy and he's put his life on the line he's actually saved lives and he continues to save lives and he'll continue to talk to us in just a second hey. i'm Dwayne robinson lapd i'm in charge here not anymore Yeah, you know it's 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 pretty bad when the cougar is calling for a change in the Second Amendment. I mean, I was shocked when I saw that, Michael. Welcome back to the Robert Davi Show. My guest this segment is is uh, Michael Letts. Uh, we're talking as we usually do, the, and they're looking at the carnage of the kids in the mass shootings, and that's all they're seeing. And I think this is part and parcel why we have the attitudes that we have today, Michael. 
is that it you is. have a certain group of people who are driven by emotion, and this, you know, they 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 purposely. I asked myself last night, why are they continuing to show the little children who have been destroyed by this crazy man? I mean, it was all two weeks ago, uh, but you know, but they take that emotion, and then I interrupted you before we went to the break, so. T- tell me what your takeaway is on, on 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 all of this red flag stuff and and where it could lead to. Sure, sure, and you know it's all part of their ultimate narrative. And what is the ultimate objective and narrative? Pay destroy America. How do we do it? Why do we destroy America? Because America is free. You don't see people going across the border into Mexico or across the border into Russia. Everyone's coming to a free America because we believe in values and principles. The rest of the world doesn't like that. They want to destroy it. So how do we destroy it? We have to control the population. How do we control a population that's armed? You can't. you got to remove their arms. What have we found is the most effective way to do that? Fear. We found that out two years ago with COVID-19. People were willing to do stupid stuff. Put on a little piece of mask thinking it's going to protect you because the government said, if you don't, you're going to die. We were fearful enough to believe them. So using the same principle now, let's create fear over firearms. How do we do that? We create situations across the country that paralyze people with fear. The more mass shootings, the better off because it makes people more fearful. How do I know that for a fact? They have changed the way they do statistics to practice shootings recently. Instead of being like it used to be when there was a shooter with multiple victims, now any shootings across the country are suddenly deemed to be mass shootings and they're being calculated in the projection so that they're telling the American people mass shootings are just simply firing and going to vacuum everybody up. You've got to do something to control it. We are the only ones that know how. Give us the ability. How do we prove what I just said? Who validated? We are now finding out just how horrible the situation, not just the shooting, but how horribly it was handled. We are now discovering a number of issues. First of all, there was the ability to take the shooter out within three minutes upon arrival. They did not take that shot because they were scared they might miss and hit a kid. Folks, you don't operate that way. You, you're, First of all, if you're not good enough to make a shot, you're not good enough to wear the badge. Second of all, your protocol is you immediately engage and take that eliminate the threat. After that, they waited for 53 minutes before they went, even though now we have shown they had long rifles and shields, they went, and they never tested the door. They used the illustration that, well, the door was locked and barricaded. It wasn't. It was unlocked. They never did anything with it. So what we're finding out is there is a terrible lack of leadership, and the officers there, I'm not saying all the officers are bad. Some are probably very frustrated and wanted to go home because they were not abiding by protocol. Here's the key word, protocol and procedure. On every other situation you've seen in the last few weeks when there's been a mass shooting, they've been eliminated within two to three minutes, one or two lives. No lives should be lost. Trust me, I don't like a single person die. But one or two lives are lost and the threat is eliminated. Those threats are going to start going down because cops are doing what they're trained to do, not what somebody's trying to figure out how to create a narrative for. The narrative happened in Uvalde, created 23 dead children. Narrative is not happening now in other places because officers are doing their job. They're doing it the way they're supposed to be doing it. And that's what we have to make sure we continue to fight to make sure that we're doing things the right way, not from a narrative to try to take firearms away from people. So I'll ask you, because you you were a police officer, who was making the call on that day? What, what is your assessment of what really went wrong? Was it just simply a lack of leadership from the very top, the uh, the chief, whatever, the sheriff's, whoever the well, chief sheriff deputy this. was? Here, here is the way it has been played out, and then I'll tell you what my opinion is on it. 
is that school in Texas, that district, has its own police department. It's not totally unusual. Most states and schools don't operate that way, but there are some that have their own police department. So their police department responded. The chief responded and went to the scene. He did not bring in his radio, did not have any communication with his men. There was an understanding since he was the chief that he should have been the commander. He is taking the that's the correct position, by the way. That's protocol. He's taking the position he never claimed to be the commander on the scene. He was not making the shots. He didn't even have a radio. So there was no one on there making those shots. Officers, here's the problem, the dilemma with that. That's just unbelievable. Somebody had to be telling them whether to stand down or not because if I'd have been there, I'd have been making a new door if we had to. So I know some of those officers wanted to go in. Somebody had to be telling them they could not. They still can't give you the answer. They've now lawyered up to begin to, to fight any request to see videotapes or to, or to ask questions from any of their officers. So the question becomes, were they that incompetent or was there a reason that somebody wanted the incident to escalate so that it could instill fear across the country? This is what happens when you don't let the government do what we think is best, i.e. take all the firearms off the streets. Those are both val- valuable questions that have got to be answered for the American people. Well, you know, I always love a good conspiracy. And what I'm hearing you're saying is that the chief who showed up without his radio, what circumstance would a, would lead to a chief going anywhere while he's on his day job where he wouldn't bring his radio? Can you give me any well, example? There are none. And here's where that theory falls apart, Jim. All the other guys have radios. I'm the chief. I say, Jim, hand me your radio. That simple. The only thing I can I mean, think so, of, and I know this is ridiculous, but maybe he left it at the hotel where he was sleeping with his secretary, allegedly, or something. <laughs> I mean, to me, it seems like he was completely caught off guard, and he's just an ignorant person who was in the wrong position. You're suggesting... Yeah, here's his point. He had his radios. I left him in the car so that my hands would be free to do, oh, handle please. the situation. Really? You know, we don't ever carry a radio in our hands anymore. What do you think we have pockets for and clip-ons? I mean, you don't carry it and use it in your hand anyway. So his his responses, Jim, literally make no sense. That causes one to believe, if you're lying to me on that, you're lying to me on something else, this this whole you were in command is farce. Who was in command? And why were they telling you to stand down? Why would they do that? for 53 minutes when we had the ability to go in three minutes after we arrived. None of it, none of it makes any sense. That The kid, the shooter, got really lucky that he would be facing off with uh, the Keystone cops. Do you, you well, suggest, did I, did I hear you right? You suggested that it's possible that the chief might have gotten instruction to stand down? Somebody had to give it to him. You can't hmm. tell me that you're in command. No, I'm not in command. I didn't have a radio. I didn't know the kids were in jeopardy. But your men are standing in the hallway here and the shots going off. Your 911 communication center is receiving calls from the kids inside. Please come in. Where are you at? No, no, no. None of that makes any sense at all. It just doesn't doesn't wash. And here's a couple of things that don't wash. You're telling me, you know, we're saying the, the assailant was lucky. Can you tell me how a sailor is working part-time at Wendy's for, he's only just turned 18, he hasn't been working long, can't afford $9,000 of firearm and ammunition? Um, no. That does not make any sense, Jim. 
the plot think thickens. Uh, Michael Letts, I want to just take a moment, encourage folks listening to this program across the country on the CRN Talk. Uh, go to uh, investusa.org. Learn a lot about this organization. Support them. They're doing great work across the country, not only helping our police, but also helping citizens become better at self-defense. And this is what he lives for, and he's saving lives. So help him achieve that goal, and we'll be a safer country. Uh, again, Michael Letts, founder of investusa.org. We've got 30 seconds left. I- I'm going to take the guess that you are not in any way favor of this new piece of legislation that's coming down the pike. No, and the reason why you're listening to that it's all part of a narrative. This is not coincidental. They are driving home their script to make sure that we think conservatives are crazy. Mm-hmm. Middle, yeah. We're all mentally ill, and none of us deserve to carry a firearm. That way they can tell you what to do, and you better do it for your intro. All right. Michael Letts, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for stopping by. I appreciate it. Another $80 million write-off. I guess it's time to start cutting overhead. Oh, we always try to make it cool around here during the summer. Welcome back to the Robert Dobby Show. My website, by the way, if you want to follow my articles and my podcast, it's it's super simple, uh, thejimwatkinsshow.online. And it's chock full of good articles as well as uh, past uh, podcast archives. So check it out if you enjoy what you're hearing today here on the Robert Davi Show. Uh, 818-818-6401 is our listener line call, and we do have a call. Stu from Phoenix joining us on the Robert Davi Show. Hi, Stu. What's on your mind? Hey, I uh, just want to appreciate uh, your guest, Michael. Um, and if you give me a minute, I, ha- I have my – it's only four memes. I was going to say the meme minute, but it's not really a meme minute. It's just a, I got my, some of my favorite memes. And the first one is Sam Elliott with the big mustache and the cowboy hat. And he says, uh, I absolutely support gun control. And on the bottom, he says, gun safety and accurate marksmanship. Oh, that's that's, clever. Clever. That's the first one. The second one I like is 97% of scientists agree with whoever is funding them. The other 3% (laughs) are banned from social media. (laughs) And that is the truth. That is the fact, Jack. What that else? is it. And the other one I like, if you got time, Jim, it says, uh, now that we know the grid is struggling to keep uh, up with energy demands of a few hot days in store, it seems oh, like yeah, it's a great clever. time to evaluate the plan to plug in 25 million electric cars every single night. Oh, I know, right? Exactly. So did I hear <laughs> they said you were from Phoenix, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm uh, a surprise, actually, which is a, a suburb. Uh, but now it's it's one of the biggest ones. I mean, the construction here is nuts. I think a hundred thousand people for the yeah. last two and a half years have been moving to the Phoenix um, area, including me. I, I relocated from Alaska, but I, I do want to oh, share geez. the final meme, which which was from Bill Maher, and it's a picture of Bill Maher, and it says he he said this on his show uh, last week, I think. It says if if kids knew what they wanted to be at age eight, the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. He says. I wanted to be a pirate. Thank God nobody took me seriously and scheduled a eye removal and peg leg surgery. <laughs> That's <Arr. pretty> clever. <laughs> All right, Stu. Appreciate the call. Thanks for calling the Robert Dobby Show. Uh, let's see. What <laughs> else is going on in the news today? Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Let's see here. We have uh, Kim Kardashian in uh, tonight's show. Uh, I guess she's not going to be on or something like that. Bill Cosby, sexually assault 
he is going to have to pay a $500,000 fine, according to a civil jury, which I think is good. I mean, he admitted he, he doped these women up, so he should pay something. It's too, too bad, too. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Bill Cosby, man. I mean, he was, you know, he was uh, for so many decades just a, a, a towering figure in comedy and acting and TV. I mean, was there anybody that didn't watch the Huxtables? I mean, it was such a shame. Such a shame. Uh, let's see. Martin, Luther, uh, Martin, Martin Sheen. Interesting guy. I, uh, I don't think I've, have I met him? I think I have met him. Of course, I'm a big fan of Martin Sheen. I, I loved his work in Apocalypse Now, which is probably one of, of my top three favorite films of all time. If you get me in the right mood, I could probably quote the whole movie from beginning to end, which is might be a red flag issue if I ever want to buy weapons, I, I think. Let's see what else is going on. We do have a monkeypox update, which I just find to be a fascinating social thing. Let's hope it doesn't turn into the next pandemic. But gay and bisexual men will be offered monkeypox vaccines in a targeted rollout. Uh, the United Kingdom stepping up efforts to, sw- uh, to thwart an outbreak amid warnings. It could get 10 times bigger. Right now, it's just at about 10,000 cases. They're saying that uh, it is likely another 10,000 monkeypox. You know, they're meeting. I think it's in Switzerland to come up with a different name. I Forget it. Forget it. Keep it monkeypox. It's the only way people will be interested in it. It doesn't have any offense to anyone. I don't know what these these people are thinking. But uh, they do have a vaccine for it. It's called uh, uh, Mvanax. Mvanax. And it's offered to cases of people who have had close contact. Uh, we know what that means. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Let's just say that the rashes are not showing up in the usual places. If you know what I mean. So that's what's going on there. Uh, some people are kind of concerned about this because, well, for one thing, they don't know what's causing it. I mean, for 10, 20, 30 years, monkeypox, you may have seen a few outbreaks here and there, but it was, you know, mostly just in some Western Saharan African countries. And now for some strange reason, it has emerged. I always think of that movie, 12 Monkeys, like somebody's up to no good when suddenly something happens like this, you know. Uh, I found this to be kind of interesting today, just sort of throwing out some of the the news out there. It's not all bad. Uh, Here's one. comes from a health website called... the hell is it called? I can't see it. Anyway, uh, it's it's longerlife.com, I think. It says if you can stand on one leg, you might want to try this at home. Don't try this while you're driving. If you can stand on one leg for 10 seconds, study says you're twice as likely to... If you can't stand for 10 seconds on one leg then you're twice as likely to die within 10 years did you hear that so you know of course what did you do when you heard me say that (laughs) how many people right now are seeing if they could stand on one leg (laughs) hey don't worry i did it too suede are you doing that (laughs) if you can't stand on one leg for 10 seconds try it uh, if you fall or you have to put your other leg down, according to the study, you're likely to die within 10 years. Isn't that strange? And it comes from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Now now I know what they mean by misinformation on the Internet. <laughs> There's people reading that now. Oh, I'm going to go tell all my friends. 
if you can't, you're going to be dead in 10 years. The, the story reads, better balance is the key to a longer life. Middle-aged people who can't stand on one leg for 10 seconds are nearly twice as likely to die within a decade, according to new research. Scientists in Brazil say the simple and safe balance test should become a part of your routine health check for older adults. So it, it has to do with mu muscle and coordination and all this other stuff. You know, but they come up with something pretty much every day. Let's see what else is going on. There was a story that caught my eye. What was it? Uh, the gas tax. You know, this gas tax really only affects 18 cents. Or is it 18% or 18 cents? I used to advocate for a 5% uh, maximum, just 5% across the board. Everything is 5%. 5%. Sales tax, 5%. Income tax, 5%. That's it keeps it it's easy to uh figure out totals and it that to me is an appropriate number see i'm willing to pay the government five percent uh to build roads create what else do they do Here, here's some of the things they do really well rest areas on highways very important police fire fire people good job attorneys to help people who get thrown into jail for showing up at a rally uh, let's see what else. What what else are, are governments really good at? Uh, can you think of anything, Swade? If, if I were to ask you, top of mind awareness, what do you think the government is really good at? What's the first thing that pops into your mind? Uh, taking my money. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got that right. Uh, anything else you can think of? Uh, I, I, uh, they're good at at space stuff, you know. Aren't they, kind of? Yeah, they're better at space well, stuff than be. I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I trust the engineers sometimes, you know, the Army Corps of Engineers. But, you know, they ruined the Everglades. They, they built a highway right through it, thinking that it wouldn't affect the wildlife back in the 40s or 50s. It's a beautiful stretch of highway, but it cuts right across a, a natural water reserve. Smart thinking. That's the government for you. 9.9... Was it a not the probably the strongest earthquake in Afghanistan? Yeah, not not I, that's unfathomable. You don't see that's that's Aleutian Island stuff, you know, where they have earthquakes on these not very long dormant volcanoes that erupt. This one was huge. There are no volcanoes in Afghanistan, as far as I'm as far as I know. You know, strangely, the first thing I I thought of when I when I heard that. Because thousands of people died tragically. I, I know it's a it's a kind of a crazy thought, but I, I said, you know, is this punishment? Is God punishing the Taliban? I'd like to believe that because sometimes, and I think maybe this is my problem, is that I see people like the Taliban running our government right now. I mean, they are they are taking steps. This Jan Six Commission is is a farce. It, it might as well be a Taliban council because they're not letting anybody come up with a counter argument. They're not letting Trump defend himself, which they should. If it was a legitimate court, they would let the other side have their say. And I thought, you know, maybe that's what this is. Maybe, maybe God is punishing the Taliban because of the way they treat their children, of the bad karma, of the way they behead people for not believing in their version of Allah. Maybe this is way of, of, of what George Carlin said, Mother Nature. 
you know, shaking you off like a case of bad fleas. Maybe that's what this is all about. And there is a part of me that wishes that that's true. I know, I know the Lord says, vengeance is mine. So when, when the Lord has vengeance, who am I to say, right? I know that sounds bad. It sounds mean. But I hope it's true because I don't think that the Taliban are hap, uh, happen to be very good people. Right? So maybe it's good to get a little, you know, vengeance out once in a while. Maybe God needs to flick us off like a bad case of fleas once in a while. Anyway, we'll leave that thought in your head until next time. Thanks for joining me on The Robert Davi Show. Don't forget to join me online at thejimwatkinshow.online. Until next time, thanks for stopping by.